You know, it's pretty hard to argue that the most important ingredient in a lasting and thriving friendship isn't love, isn't letting your friends know that they're loved. It's kind of why when we launched this series, Friend Like Jesus, last week, we started by looking at Jesus' friendship with a guy named John and the way that Jesus let him know that he knows that he knows that he's loved. And it shouldn't surprise us when God is love, Jesus came to earth to be kind of love incarnate and to teach and invite and ultimately die and rise again to empower us to be able to become incarnate love ourselves, that that would be kind of the first and most important ingredient, not only in our friendship with Jesus, but in our friendship with others as together with Jesus, we live out his greatest commandment and live out together with him, his new covenant, new command law of love. But you know, I actually believe that the attribute of Jesus' friendship that we're going to look at today might even be more critical to thriving and lasting close friendships than just loving your loved ones. And I actually believe that the attribute of Jesus' friendship that we're going to look at today might be even more representative and might even better capture the essence of the uniqueness and wonder of the person of Jesus than just his love. If you're wondering what that could be, we're going to dive into that now as we look at Jesus' friendship, this time not with his buddy John, but with another close friend of his named Peter. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible and the person of Jesus and his relationship with Peter, uh, you need to understand first things first, that Jesus entered into a friendship with Peter through kind of a cold call invitation of Peter to become a follower of his. It records this in the Bible in uh, Mark chapter one, in verse 16, where it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, this is interesting because the text doesn't give any indication as to why this happened. It doesn't tell us what Jesus saw in these two brothers, why he invited them in to his inner circle of close kind of friendships in his 12 disciples. And it also doesn't describe why uh, Simon, named Peter, and his brother Andrew immediately left their vocation to become full-time volunteer followers and close friends of Jesus. It doesn't give us any indication as to the why. What the Bible does do, though, is it describes once they made that decision, the kind of friendship that Peter got to enjoy in that inner circle with Jesus. If you are familiar at all with the gospel accounts, the biographical accounts of Jesus' life, you'll know episodes like the time where Peter got to experience the miraculous healing power of Jesus in healing Peter's mother-in-law. Might not be something that you'd pray for, something that I would certainly consider a miracle, and so did Peter. Uh, there was the time where Peter got the opportunity to walk on water by being invited uh, out of a boat at night by Jesus to follow him. He got to experience that miraculous activity in his own life. And then there was the time where Peter, as part of Jesus' kind of inner circle, his closest friends with Peter, James, and John, they got to go up on a mountaintop 
with Jesus and experience Jesus being transfigured, kind of miraculously uh, kind of transformed into more of an angelic type of figure. And, and it really was a mountaintop experience for Peter. And on top of all of that, Peter was the one person and the one disciple among all of Jesus' close friends that Jesus actually promised to continue his life and legacy through in this movement that Jesus called the church. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I tell you, Simon, that you are Peter. The name Peter meant rock. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Think about that, that Peter got to experience all of this amazing stuff through this friendship with Jesus. All these mountaintop experiences, all these highlight real moments, all these miraculous encounters, all because he said yes to becoming a friend of Jesus. Thankfully, in response to that invitation, Peter got to experience the very best of Jesus in friendship with him. What was kind of unfortunate, though, was that Jesus, in return, didn't always get to experience the very best of friendship with Peter. Not only were there times where Peter misspoke or misstepped or was too impulsive that Jesus had to check in on and correct, but when Jesus needed Peter the most kind of in his last days when he was going to be handed over to the religious authorities to be kind of tortured and ultimately crucified. Jesus predicted to Peter that Peter would disown him and deny even knowing him. In Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus shares that prediction with Peter, it says this, Peter replied, even if all others fall away, on account of you, I never will. Well, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Here Jesus predicts that when he needs Peter the most, Peter's going to break his heart that Peter's going to let him down, that Peter's going to deny knowing him. And he's not just going to not deny knowing him once. He's going to deny knowing him three times. And Jesus doesn't just predict that. He predicts that in spite of Peter's pushback and his refusal to embrace the reality that he'll never let Jesus down. That is until he let Jesus down. And sure enough, later that evening, a servant girl approached Peter and asked if he was one of Jesus' close friends, to which he flatly denied it. And shortly after that, another servant girl approached Peter and asked if he was one of the group of buddies of Jesus. He completely and instantly kind of refused and, and failed to acknowledge it. And then finally, a, a crowd of people approached Peter and said, hey, you know, aren't you one of those Jesus friends, Jesus followers types? They even accused Peter saying that his accent betrayed him. They kind of knew that he was, to which Peter again harshly rebuked them and flatly rejected the notion, not just of being a friend of Jesus, but of even knowing him. It says this in Matthew 26, verse 75. It says, immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Stop and think about that for a moment, that in spite 
of being able to experience all of the best of Jesus in friendship. Jesus ended up experiencing the worst of friendship in Peter. Had his heart broken, got disowned not just once, but three times, and not just on any old day, but in the moment where he needed him the most, when Jesus was going to be handed over to the religious leaders to be tortured and ultimately crucified to death. When Peter was friends with Jesus, he got to experience his best. As Jesus was friends with Peter, he experienced his worst. And he had his heart broken by Peter's betrayal of Jesus. Just a quick time out. Are there any people in your life where that's happened to you? You know, spouse betrayed you, kids broke your heart, close friend really let you down where you needed them the most. Can you identify with what Jesus would have been experiencing in those moments with one of, if not arguably, his very closest friend? How have you handled those kinds of heartbreaks and hurts? And are there relationships in your life that are still kind of out in the abyss because you haven't known what to do? What's interesting in the case of Jesus is that in a different biographical account of his life, in the gospel written by a guy named Luke, in the moment where Jesus predicted to Peter that Peter was going to disown him and betray him three times when he needed him the most, uh, Luke actually adds an additional sentence there that gives a clue as to how Jesus responded. It says in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, Jesus says, I have prayed for you, Simon, meaning Peter, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And what Jesus recognizes is that even though Peter is going to break his heart, even though Peter, his closest friend, is going to let him down, Jesus is still into him. Jesus still has a future and a plan and wants to have a relationship with him. And Jesus still builds into him moving forward into the future. Even though he predicted that Peter would let him down, Jesus promised that he would continue to be there for Peter. And sure enough, that's what took place. If you know the story of the trajectory of Peter's life, not only did Peter become kind of the immediate spokesperson of this band of brothers of apostles and this fledgling group of, of Jesus followers after Jesus' life and death and ultimate resurrection, Jesus kind of, be, or Peter rather, became kind of the first among equals leader of this new movement called the church in just the way that Jesus had predicted. Not only that, later on the book of Acts uh, records an event where Peter was given a vision by Jesus that Jesus continued to communicate and to relate to Peter, gave him a vision of eating what had been formerly considered in Jewish tradition to be forbidden food as a way of calling Peter out to not only share the message and the good news of Jesus with Jewish people, but also with people of Gentile background as well. Expanding the mission and expansion of the church all over the world in a way that has continued 2,000 years later to this day. Not only that, some of Peter's letters became considered uh, part of the biblical canon. And so Peter continues to influence people through the scriptures today, through First and Second Peter. 
as well as being able to be a champion of the church in his day. And I want us to just stop and process that. The way that Jesus related to and the way that Jesus was a friend to Peter, not just by giving him his best, even though Peter gave him his worst, but when Peter gave him his worst, continuing to give him his best. And not just in a whole different era, as if Peter let him down, broke his heart, and then 20 years later, Jesus finally kind of made amends and cleaned things up. It was actually in that very same moment, in that very same conversation, where Jesus knew his heart was going to be broken, that he was able to continue to promise to not only be there for Peter, but to be close to Peter, to continue to allow Peter to enjoy the best of friendship with him. Even when Peter was faithless to Jesus, Jesus remained faithfully committed to Peter. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that is not only way harder to do than just loving your loved ones, it's way rarer in the context of close, intimate, personal relationship. And yet, that kind of faithfulness to be committed to someone, even when they're faithless and uncommitted to you, that's actually what it means to be a friend like Jesus. See, a friend like Jesus isn't just a fair weather friend. A friend like Jesus isn't just a conditional friend on things going well. A friend like Jesus is a friend even when their heart is broken, even when they experience conflict and hurt and pain, even when they've been let down, maybe even especially then. And I feel like that not only uh, represents a much rarer ingredient to lasting, thriving friendship, but that feature actually evidences to me much more of the uniqueness of the character of the person of Jesus. Because that undeserved, unearned friendship and favor is what we know as grace. And it's actually grace that differentiates the work and life and invitation of Jesus from all other religions, where religions are typically things that people do for and do to please God. It's not what Jesus invites us into. He invites us into a, a, a relationship by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that grace that invites us to experience what we couldn't earn or deserve, that allows us to experience a covenant faithfulness in Jesus, even when we're not faithful to him. That's the invitation that Jesus invites us into because that's the character of Jesus and that's the core of the character of the heart of God. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's actually that covenant faithfulness, even when others are faithless, that defines the way that God invites us into a relationship with him. And it's the way that Jesus wants to work in us in order for us to experience this in our friendship so that we can be a friend like Jesus, and we can be covenantally faithful with people even in those moments when they're unfaithful to us. Now, quick kind of side note or check in that doesn't mean that in Christ, as a follower of Jesus, you are expected to maintain absolutely every relationship for the very rest of your life. 
there is such a thing as ending a relationship appropriately. And you got to understand that Jesus didn't extend this kind of covenant faithfulness to just anybody. He didn't extend it to the religious leaders who were killing him back in that day. And he doesn't expect you to extend it to people who are killing you and chronically causing you harm in your life today. If you want to pursue kind of that exceptional case, I'd encourage you to read one or two of two books written by clinical psychologist Henry Cloud. He wrote a book called Boundaries, describing the kinds of relationships that require boundaries to be set. So we're not just unconditionally relating to everybody, as well as a, a second kind of edition that uh, he narrowed in called Necessary Endings that looks at the kind of relationships that even from a faith perspective for the health of everybody actually should come to a close. If you want to pursue those exceptional circumstances, you can uh, reference those resources. What I want us to consider today is actually the way that our relationships could become exceptional by living out this unconditional covenant faithfulness of Jesus and extend the undeserved, unearned grace to the people closest in our lives, maybe even if, maybe even since they've let us down and broken our hearts. You know, at a practical level, I wonder for how many of us it would be helpful to just kind of right-size our expectations in our relationships, because sometimes the reasons relationships are, they, they end is because we expected our close relationships to be the ones that wouldn't hurt us, when in reality, our closest, most vulnerable, intimate relationships are the ones that are going to be ripe to hurt us the most. Remember, Jesus predicted Peter's betrayal of him, and I think that his expectation that that would or could happen actually helped Jesus move through it. As well, we've got to consider which relationships in our lives are stuck simply because of our refusal to offer forgiveness. Appreciating that forgiveness is fundamental to faith in Jesus. Jesus says we're forgiven to the degree that we're extending forgiveness to others. And the degree that we extend forgiveness to others is the way in which we increasingly experience Jesus' forgiveness. On top of that, I want us to remember that, you know, when we're holding unforgiveness, it actually affects us way more detrimentally than the people we're refusing to forgive. And then finally, at a practical level, I wonder whether it would help us to kind of reframe some of our relationships to see the future potential in them, not just to define the relationship or the person by the heartbreaking hurt that they've caused. The fact that Jesus could look forward and look beyond the betrayal and the disowning of Peter and see the potential in Peter, I think was another ingredient that helped Jesus retain and build and invest in an ongoing close friendship with Peter, even though he had his heart broken. And I wonder for how many of us we could reframe our perspective to look to the future, not just to the past. See, there's a saying in our world that says, make new friends and keep the old. One is silver and the other gold. And I wonder today how many of us kind of live our lives stuck settling for silver after silver after silver level or silver, silver metal caliber relationships because the longtime friendships cause us pain and hurt 
and we move on from them. And we just make new friends until we get hurt and then make new friends and then get hurt again and then make new friends and go on silver, 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 silver level relationships. And we miss out on the gold of lasting, thriving relationships because we're unwilling to do the hard work of extending grace and we're unwilling to allow Jesus to do the supernatural work of cultivating a covenant faithfulness in us that remains committed even when others aren't committed to us. Let's appreciate today that when people celebrate long-term, deep, lasting relationship, when they raise a glass to a long-standing anniversary, almost never are they raising a glass to smooth sailing. Hey, cheers to 50 years of no problems. That almost never happens. When people raise a glass and celebrate those long-term relationships, what they're celebrating is the overcoming of hardship the overcoming of pain and hurt and heartbreak, the forgiveness, the grace, the covenant faithfulness that they've extended to endure. That's what makes relationships the richest and gold. And I wonder for how many of us we could experience and enjoy those kind of relationships if we would do this kind of work in our lives, or more importantly, if we would open our hearts to allow Jesus to do that kind of work in us to be grace extenders, and to be covenantally, faithfully committed, even when people break our hearts and let us down. Because that, I believe, even more than loving your loved ones, that is what it means to be a friend like Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, today, I just want to thank you and really be overwhelmed by the kind of friend you are to us and to me. That as many times as I and we let you down and break your heart and embarrass you and bring you pain, you remain covenantally, graciously faithful and committed to us. And I'm just struck and overwhelmed by that. And I pray that all of us could just, just absorb that for a moment, even right now. And then out of that, Jesus, I pray that we would give you the space in our hearts to do the work to make us those kind of friends with others. And as those family members, as those spouses, as those, as those friends, those work colleagues, those close to us uh, come to mind in potentially gold relationships that we're missing out on because of our refusal to extend this kind of grace and be these kind of long-term committed people, make us those people today, Jesus so that more and more we can experience the kind of friendship that not only exudes you, but experiences you as we seek to become a friend like you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for all these things. In your name we pray, amen.